Hello, Talkie Talk listeners. Just a heads up before the podcast to let you know about two upcoming concerts by our very own favorite outro music, Urs Burifa. They're going to be playing Saturday, August 4th at 8 p.m. at Java Monkey with Brother Man and Julian Morena and Will Pass also playing. Uh, so check that out. Also have an upcoming concert at Tin Roof Cantina on Friday, August 17th at 9 p.m. with um, Moody Hollow and Steve Nebraska and the Blue Stems. Check them out. If you enjoy the outro music, you enjoy Burifa, and we enjoy you. Now on to the podcast. Welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the media by us.com. My name is Brent. I am here today with TJ. What up? And no one else has decided to join us. So <laughs> it's just going to be us talking about the things we've been watching this week. Uh, after that, we're going to talk about uh, any news in the uh, entertainment world. A little segment we call Breezy on the Streets. And then we are going to uh, make our picks for what to watch at the theater this weekend. Yeah, uh, David's still... Daddy in, mm-hmm. and Chris is back finally. Chris has been gone for a couple of weeks. Yeah, we've missed Chris, so he's back, but he's recovering, and uh, I concur with his decision to recover. Yeah, yeah, he would be a very sleepy participant, yeah. right? Now. <laughs> right. So yeah, I, I watched a couple of movies though. One great, and it's a rewatch, and one awful that was not a rewatch. Let's hear. Let's hear awful first. Awful first. I watched the incredible Burt Wonderstone, which uh, it had like, two moments. I will say that made me laugh out loud. Uh, the movie kind of fell through the cracks, though, like under the radar when it came out, even though it's got a pretty solid comedy cast. Mm-hmm. It's Steve Carell, Steve Buscemi, Alan Arkin. He's mm. the Oscar winner for Little Miss Sunshine, correct? Right. Yeah. Alan Alden, Alan Arkin. I always want to get those names mixed up. Jim Carrey in actually a pretty funny fifth role. And Olivia Wilde. Yeah. Isn't it? And one of the last movies, it's got to be, of Tony Soprano, James Gandolfini. Completely forgot. What is he in that movie? He plays a casino owner. He owns, okay. he owns Bally's. I I, uh, I saw that movie. I think when it first hit HBO, maybe I remember thinking. So my thought, I, I'm, I'll be interested to hear yours. Uh, I remember my thoughts on that movie just being, this is a fine, just let's put something on so we don't have to pay attention to it kind of movie. Just to, just like mindless entertainment. Um, that. Ashley and I watched uh, one night. It was I don't remember it being good, and I I don't remember anything about it. So it's obviously not the kind of movie that really sticks with you. It's a good example of a movie that's bad, very bad, without being offensively bad. If that makes sense, yeah. You're just like, okay, that was a movie, and then if you start looking at it and trying to critique it, you're like, there was nothing good about this movie, really. Yeah. I mean, Steve Carell's a brilliant comedic actor. And he doesn't fuck up really. It's just the movie itself. It's like just going through the motions, sort of like like oh, there's no there's no comedy about a magician. Let's just make so. It's like somebody realized that there was a void of one thing, so there's like. I feel like they go to lots of efforts to make fun of that kind of culture. 
Yeah. And it's such a specific culture to make fun of that people don't know, like, the ins and outs of. So, Steve Carell plays a magician in New York who's had a residency at Bally's for 15 years with his friend Anton, played by Steve Buscemi. And they grew up together, mm-hmm. started doing magic because they were, like, nerds and outcasts and getting bullied all the time. Olivia Wilde plays their magician's assistant. James Gandolfini plays the casino owner. And essentially, they've, they've run out of... They've been doing the same show for 10 years, and people stopped coming, mostly due to a new kind of magic that's come out, which is Jim Carrey pretty much playing like Chris Angel. Okay, I was thinking, like, uh, who's the who's the David Blaine yeah. type? The, like, horror magic kind of yeah. thing. Um, what's his, What's Jim Carrey's character's name? Because I remember thinking that was kind of funny. It's, the character name isn't that great. The uh, character name is, like, Jim Gray. Okay. But his show is one of two moments that made me laugh out loud. It's called Brain Rapist. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. But, um, so he comes in and he's doing, like, new kind of magic and stealing their fans, and James Gandolfini pretty much fires them. So Brain brain Rape is definitely just a play on Mind Freak. Yeah. With, okay, Chris, yeah. Chris Angel? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, they essentially have a falling out with Steve Buscemi and Olivia Wilde. Steve Carell's character is kind of an asshole, and, uh, he plays Burt Wonderstone. They get back together and decide they're going to do, like, one great magic trick to win back their job and it's a trick they've never been able to crack which is make the audience disappear mm. and the way they do this is essentially drug the entire audience and carry them to a field and then wake them all up so I was leading to the second part of the movie that made me laugh was after the credits they show how they did it and they're just like completely like no regard for human safety while they're moving these people it's just them like throwing people in a truck and like dragging them down the aisles downstairs <laughs> It's like a thousand people. Because they're going to do it quickly. Right. Um, but yeah, the movie is as vanilla as it sounds. It is just a kind of a boring... I mean, thank God it's only an hour and 20 minutes long. Yeah. Because much more of that, I couldn't take it. Alan Arkin was fine. That's the thing. All the characters, like, I like all these actors. Yeah. Like Olivia Wilde. I think Jim Carrey's great in a like bizarre role. He mm-hmm. can do that really well. Steve Carell, I'm a, he's done several movies that have been just right at par. Yep. And he's... He makes them watchable. He's He is a talent. Mm-hmm. But, like, I watched Get Smart. I didn't talk about it on the podcast, but that's another one of those movies. It was just like, oh, this movie has Steve Carell, Anne Hathaway, and Alan Arkin, actually, hmm. and Dwayne Johnson. So it's watchable because it's got a great cast, fun to look at. I've never seen that one. Yeah. The Incredible Burt Wonderstand. I get one and a half stars on Letterboxd. There's just nothing there to write home about, really. And then uh, we'll talk about it in Breezy, but we got a glass trailer. Yeah. The forget what it's uh it's called the trilogy has a name now it's like it's the name of the train wreck in the uh, beginning of unbreakable so it's like the philly 177 trilogy or something and uh yeah so after watching the glass trailer cassandra was like i want to see that trailer because cassandra had seen split and she really liked split i really enjoyed split i think you did too yes uh yes i was a big fan of split i think it was uh i think Shyamalan kind of started his path back to tapping into what made his movies fun to begin with, with uh, The Visit. Yeah, it was a good, like, bridge. Yeah, The Visit was, wasn't was great, but it was it was solidly entertaining and fun in a lot of uh, ways, nostalgic ways for me. But Split was Split was really great. I think Split... I could see Split making it into, like, my top five Shyamalan movies. If if it's not there already, it might be there already. Yeah, it's, it's up there with... I'm a big fan of The Village, which is probably the most abnormal movie that I like out of the Shyamalan movies. I feel like it's one that's got more hate than love. 
Yeah, I think everybody likes his first three, uh, Sixth I, Sense, Unbreakable, and Signs. I gave Signs five stars when I rewatched it. It's phenomenal. Love Signs. Yeah. And uh, Unbreakable and Sixth Sense are... Sixth Sense is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Unbreakable is there. Unbreakable, well, I gave it four and a half stars, and I would definitely give Signs and The Sixth Sense five stars. Unbreakable might be my favorite. Mm-hmm. It's just a really fun story. I think Unbreakable has more rewatchability because uh, Sixth Sense is just sort of, it's a classic uh, genie in a bottle type of movie where once the genie's out, it's uh, it's not it's never going to be that fun again, even though it's still good. Right. It's, you're never going to hit that same level, but Unbreakable, it's, it'll always be. Even though the fun. twist is there. It's, yeah, it's different. It's a slow reveal, too, mm-hmm. kind of. I guess the, the big twist there is realizing Glass is bad, but it's not. I mean, Cassandra said she thought the movie was great and predictable. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think it's as much of like a bam in your face twist, right? Like Sixth Sense or The Village, more like Signs. Maybe that's his uh, ticket. Kind of the slow reveal. Split kind of had that, and mm-hmm. not like a slap you in the face with a. But you didn't see that coming. Kind of like Village does, mm-hmm. and um, the visit was kind of that way too. Like you never thought they were good. You kind of knew right. something was up. You knew something was up. You, yeah, you didn't really think it was. The reveals in the in the in the visit was kind of neat, just because it was like, oh, that's a, it's a believable. It's, it's like a, I get it. Like it, it, that's a that's an interesting revelation that I didn't expect, but, and it certainly explains everything, right? Yeah, I mean, he's a lot of things, but one thing he's great at is just covering his tracks with that. He ties up those loose ends. So you watched Unbreakable? Yeah, um, it's just it's just so good, such a fun story. I think it's one of Bruce Willis's best roles. I think he's he plays that like reserved sort of I don't know that character David Dunn who's just trying to figure out like why he has this ability and or just discovering that he has it. I like I think it's one of the better quote unquote superhero movies when it comes to a character learning about their powers. Yeah, I, I really love the something I didn't remember. I love the aspect of him waking up sad every day kind of because he's not you're led to believe it's because he's not fulfilling his like prophecy as a superhero he's not doing anything special mm-hmm. and it's like the force is trying to be like hey man you got you got more you can do than just be a security guard at a college football stadium mm-hmm. like you need to you need to pick it up that was the one thing I talked about with Cass and she said it, it, if you talk about it it seems unbelievable that he would like never remember taking a sick day or never realize he never got hurt outside from Things involving water, mm-hmm. but for some reason in the movie it works, yeah. and he's so depressed and like removed from reality that it's like, oh, I can totally see somebody being like, I don't know if I've ever been sick before, right? But he's so just like despondent. Was that the right use of that word? Yeah, like, just kind of out of it. But the reveal is good. Sam Jackson is fantastic as Mister Glass. Mm-hmm. Um, really good scenes that are shot really well, and then I, I think the. Uh, subway scene where he's actually going out and he's going to find something to fix where he ends up killing the uh, guy who kidnapped the family and killed the mom and dad oh right yeah it's so good yeah it turns into almost horror at that point it's mm-hmm. so scary I love his like take on the hero and villain outfits like he's got the the rain slicker it looks like a cape yeah yeah it's great and the, the use of color is really good Mr. Glass always has some kind of shade of purple. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just a fun what if superheroes were real. real, A blast of a movie. It's just so fun. I think I rewatched it maybe a year or two ago and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's a, 
It's a movie that has aged well and is still delightful. So yeah, I gave it four and a half stars. Sounds like you'd probably be right around there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's just good. It's a great movie from a great young director at the time, I think, and a great follow up to a movie that's hard to follow. I think. Yeah, but that's it. That's all I watched this week. Any, I uh, any TV or anything? No, yeah. I think I finished Glow last podcast. Yeah. So I'll still hang around until you or you watch it, or David and Chris are around. I mm-hmm. think they probably both finished it by now. I know Chris has. Yeah, I bet David has too. So yeah, what about you? I know you uh, made some trips to the theater. Yeah, yeah. I uh, partially out of fear that my mo- I don't know how long my movie pass is going to exist anymore. <laughs> like it's just things keep happening. There's just so, so many news articles consistent. They just and that they keep saying they're like. We're fun. We're fun, but nobody really believes them. So. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm not to insert breezy in between our watch list, but I feel like this wouldn't be as bad if they just would have come out and been like, "All right, what do we need to do to make this sustainable? Let's have one bad news day." Yeah. Instead of like changing rules every week and everybody yeah. f- getting like refueled on it and freaking out because yeah. I don't really care about any of the rules. I mean, the first one that's kind of annoyed me is the peak pricing. Mm-hmm. And the way they're handling it. But even that, if there's no way I'm going to spend more money than I would. And yeah. once I get to that point, I'll get rid of the movie pass. Right. And and I think this uh, is AMC that's come out with their own pass. Mm-hmm. It's like $20 a month to see up to three movies a week. Mm-hmm. And but you can see any movie in any theater. Anytime, any format. Any format. And you can see a movie over and over and over again. Right. I think that should be the test case, and if, if that's successful, at that point, MoviePass should just say, all right, $20 a month. Unlimited. Free for all. Yes. Yeah. I would keep it at $20. Yes. I think I think people would still have that at $20 a month. Because I would move to three a week. I would move to the AMC plan if it wasn't relegated to just AMC. Mm-hmm. I like going to different theaters, and honestly, if Regal came up with something, I would use Regal, because that would cover the Terra, which is the independent local theater here in Atlanta. The big Cinemaplex that's up, mm-hmm. not far from where we all live, and the huge one downtown Atlanta, which gets more movies than the one up by 85 does. The one at Atlantic Station. Those are all Regal. So if Regal came out with a plan, I would... Is, uh, is Midtown uh, independent? Landmark. Oh, it's Landmark. Yeah. Who owns Landmark? It's got to be one of it, the two. No, Landmark's their own thing. That was why they held on forever and okay. didn't join MoviePass. Okay. Um... They're probably like the smallest major theater chain. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, that's. Uh, but anyway, yeah, because I have, just, I have movie fest. I haven't. I hadn't used it since Solo. It's been over a month. So it's been over a month, and so uh, I went to see a couple of movies in the theater this week. First movie I saw was uh, actually before we get to those, I want to talk real quick about uh, finally rewatched Fargo. I've been... Well, talk, re- talk of Fame movie. A Talk of Fame movie, courtesy of David. I wholeheartedly agree with his Talk of Fame inclusion. I would have been an easy yes vote. That's a great movie to skip the discussion on. Not because the discussion wouldn't be fantastic, but it's because we'd all be like, essentially, sorry for the crudeness, but like, jacking off to Fargo. It's just yeah, so fucking yeah, good. Yeah, there's no... I mean, there would be no mystery to that vote, because I think it would be an easy 4-0 pass. Yeah. But it would still be a lot of fun to sit down at some point and just talk about like why uh, whether like where does that rank? Is it the greatest Coen Brothers movie? Yeah, 
And I think it is, probably. How about William H. Macy? Steve Buscemi? Steve Buscemi's really good in that, but he's really good in a lot of movies. Yeah, probably. Francis McDormand? I might put Three Billboards ahead of... That's it's hilarious if you put Three Billboards ahead for her and I don't. Yeah. <laughs> this is funny. As far as her performance... Oh, she, man. she is really good at So, it. okay, I've got a question about Fargo since you watched it. Me and Brent often do this thing where we talk about who wins movies and we give out gold, silver, and bronze medals for actors only, not including writing or directing. I think the character of Marge Gunderson, played by Frances McDormand, is a clear one in Fargo. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah. So, where it gets fun for me, though, is who's two and three? Two for me is, uh, is Jerry. It's William H. Macy. He's... My favorite scene in the movie is him losing his mind when everything starts to unravel. Yeah. It's so... It's played so well. His... The fact that he... He really carries himself in every scene with, like, her perfectly. Like, when uh, when she comes to see him the second time about the, uh, the the missing car from the lot, and he just keeps stressing. He's got this line that in his head is supposed to work. This, like, we're not missing any cars. And, right. And uh, she just... She says, well... Do you have an inventory? And he's just like, listen, listen, ma'am, gosh darn it, I don't know what to tell you, but we're not missing any cars. And it's just, uh, he, he just reiterates his line. Yeah. And he just, he's, uh, he's This angry. was supposed to work the first he's time. He's angry that, that this person isn't just taking the line. Right. And so it's, uh, he is, he is, I think, incredible in the movie. Yeah, so good. Um, I don't know who Bronze would be. Um, there's something about, Peter Stormare's uh, just the way he stares at Steve Buscemi all the time. Yeah. But yeah, it's... Uh, I never realized how short that movie was. It is a very short movie. Yeah, I actually left a Peter Stormare movie off my watch list on purpose, but I watched The Lost World. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, he... Uh, or Yeah, that movie's like an hour and a half. Fargo. Yeah. Don't need much, man. Mm-mm. And it's a great... Very, very funny. You know, my favorite fun fact about Fargo, I know I've told you before, is the intro. Yeah, based on a true story. Yeah, and that was in the script that they gave to the cast, the initial cast anyway. <laughs> and William H. Macy was like, like, ooh, was like trying to find like what police station where <laughs> so he could go do some research. He wanted to go talk to people. And they were like, oh, this never happened. It's total bullshit. He was like, but it says it was based on a true story. Like the names were changed to protect the innocent. Like... <laughs> You, can you, you can't do that and pretty much like uh, Joel Cohen was like why can't we like, <laughs> find the want. rule that says I can't right. make up shit yeah what makes Macy was kind of like okay <laughs> great but it uh, makes the movie better that first watch I mean I remember like getting on like dial up internet when I was 16 and being like like this story is crazy this guy fed a dude to a wood chipper right what um did, uh it's an early, early spotting of uh, John Carroll Lynch. Is in that movie he plays uh, Marge's husband. He, you would recognize. Him. Oh, he's the always bad guy. Yep, <laughs> he's the guy who's probably the Zodiac killer. <laughs> guy who's probably the Zodiac killer. He's in the Invitation. Oh, he's so good in the Invitation. Mm-hmm. Because he just does that John Carroll Lynch creepy thing. Yeah, he is super fucking. I think, creepy. I, I think I'm getting his name right. I think it's John Carroll Lynch. It is, uh, but yeah, he's uh, he's Marge's husband. Who he's the painter, um, the artist. Nice, that's awesome. Yeah, plays Lyndon Johnson and Jackie as well. Which is weird. <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I've been meaning to rewatch. I've been meaning to rewatch. I don't. I don't think I've seen Fargo since the nineties. Oh wow! 
and I'd been meaning to rewatch it, and kind of wanted to double my efforts to rewatch it uh, when David put it in the talk fame. So I finally got caught it on demand at my mother-in-law's uh, a couple nights ago, and absolutely loved it. So um, one more quick question: talking about Fargo, I know we've got you've got a lot of movies to talk about, but uh, and we have a whole podcast episode about Fargo. <laughs> we don't need to dwell on it too much. Uh, top twenty, top fifty, top hundred wood chipper scene. How where does that fall in like iconic movie scenes? Not best necessarily, but just memorable. Weirdly enough, that one didn't stand out to me as much as yeah. it does in my memory. I still, I think it's the shock value, which is just going to be gone after all these years. The yeah, the best thing about that scene is when she gets out of the car and. You don't know what's happening, and there's it's just way off in the distance. There's a really low, yeah, right. And then she gets closer. You hear it more, and then she sees it through the trees. You can't see what he's doing. You, you see, can't like, see the body, but you can see like red, red yeah. spitting out of this wood chipper. And so I think that part of it's really, really good. And then of course, always the moment of his foot sticking out. Yeah, that's the the scene that most people remember. But um, but yeah, it was uh, it was it was really good. Uh, yeah, like I said, I don't want to dwell on Fargo too much, but didn't want to mention it. I uh, also just real quick rewatched Game Night. Uh, oh, fun! Yeah, Did you catch on Voodoo. <laughs> no, I, I, my while we were at my mother in law's, uh, Ashley and Ashley asked me, she's like, "What's a movie we would all enjoy?" And I said, "You should rent Game Night." So nice. they rented Game Night, and they both really loved it. Yeah, it's it's hard not to love. Yeah, a lot of fun. Fun, fun on a second watch. So, uh, I go back and recommend that even again. Nice. Uh, but the two movies I saw in the theater this week were uh, one which uh, I'll talk about first because I don't want to say as much. It's not really a movie that's spoilery in any way, but uh, I caught the new Marvel movie Ant Man and the Wasp. Nice. It is. Um, yeah. There, there's something that struck me leaving the theater, and I, I think that the movies, like the tones of movies, or at least the Something about the movies and the Marvel movies, they sometimes match the main characters, like, in in weird ways. Like, uh, I think Captain America movies, by nature, are, like... Somber and stoic, kind of. Like, do the right thing. And 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 it's very, they're very moral. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Iron Man are, movies are flashy and cool, and they mirror Tony, I think. Right. And, uh... Yeah, Ant Man. Ant Man movies are small. <laughs> like they're just uh, they don't have these big. The events of an Ant Man movie don't affect the world like the events of a Thor movie or uh, uh, many Marvel movies. Yeah, they don't have an effect on on tons of people, and uh, they're smaller plots. The and and Ant Man and the Wasp is the same way. It's it's a kind of a pretty self contained little story, and. Uh, it's delightful. I actually like. I like not having, especially after the gravity of Infinity War. Right. It's nice to have something that doesn't matter as much, which makes it not really an essential Marvel movie, because I don't think it really impacts the overall Marvel universe. I think it probably impacts it less than any movie, really. But at the same time, there's some. There's some like. A freedom in that it's like oh, I can just watch this it's, it's just a movie a yeah. I, I, it doesn't feel like I'm 
I'm taking the next step in a long line of steps. So is it out of chronological order? Do you not want to say? Here's what I will say. They uh, and I'll this way. I don't say yes or no definitively, but the chronological order is not relevant to this to the plot of this movie. Okay. There is something that lets you know. Okay. At some point, you know where it stands in the timeline. So you, so you definitely know, but it's not important. Okay. Cool. Fair um, enough. Um, so is it watch list worthy? Though? Yes. Yes. It's a. It's it's fun. It's a. There, the the comedic moments with Paul Rudd hit like they normally do. Top third, middle third, bottom third Marvel movies. A bottom third Marvel movie is still watch list watchable. I don't know. I don't know. It's a movie that just didn't have much of an effect on me, because um, it was just sort of a just a summer summer fun watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can get behind that. Maybe middle third. So like not Avengers, not Iron Man. Yeah, not no, Guardians. No, I'll probably give it like uh, whenever I letterbox review it, it'll probably be in the three three and a half range. I would put it on on par with Doctor Strange. For different reasons, okay. Doctor Strange was more more fun because of its visuals, and Ant Man and the Wasp is more fun because of its uh, I don't know general tone. Got great reviews. Yeah, it's 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 a fun little movie. It's hard to dislike this movie. It's eighty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which makes sense. I would yeah, um, I would guess like sixty five or so on on, on Metacritic. Metacritic, somewhere in there seventy. It's a movie that. 70. I'll, it's a movie that almost no one will dislike and no one will think is amazing. Right. Um, cool. But I definitely recommend checking it out. I uh, definitely will. I think the fight scenes are a little more fun than the last one. Like There's the, a lot of fun you can do with Ant-Man. Yeah. A lot of that first Ant-Man was like training. Yeah. Which is fun. Yeah. But there's really only one fight. The action The action in this is, is pretty good. Yeah. One problem superhero movies have with me every now and then, or I have with them, rather, I don't think they <laughs> give a shit about me, but uh, they, I have with superhero movies is sometimes action scenes can be just dizzying, hard to, like, hard to follow. Sure. Hard to follow in a micro sense. Like, you, like I don't know who, I don't know who got punched sometimes. It's just, like, lots of, just, <laughs> bam, 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 flying around. Right. And... Uh, this movie that did the action well, like that was a for for instance, that was one of my criticisms with the Kingsman movie last year. Yes, I remember you saying just, that specifically. Just like so much going on that, like it, I kind of got lost in the action, um, and to an extent, like some of those sometimes with the big fight scenes, like uh, Infinity War on Wakanda, the action didn't really. There's just so much going on that it did nothing really resonated with me right. in that scene. Uh, but Ant-Man, the, the action is all smaller. It, that's not a pun, but it's like, it, it's one person against one person, and it's shot in a way that's, uh, I don't know, easier to, it's more visually pleasing to me. Right. So, I really recommend it. I like it. Um, good cast. Michael Pena's back. That's always fun. He's so good. I love that character. He's, yeah, really, really fun in the movie. Yeah. Uh, Wait, do they rehash the jokes? The him telling stories jokes? What's the him telling stories jokes? It's they, been a while since I've seen the first one. Where they flash back and he's like, he's mouthing everybody. He's you see the story as it happened, but it's his voice doing every all the voices. Oh yes, okay. yes, yeah, it's so funny. Yes, it works so well. 
Oh, I didn't remember him doing that the first one. He did it twice. The first oh, nice. Time. Yeah, I should rewatch Ant Man. I really liked the first Ant Man. It's uh, free on something right now. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's actually one of the better parts in the movie. Their jokes are so funny in the first one. They're the highlights. Yeah. Nice. Um, but uh, I watched a movie that you have seen recently, and it's a movie that's uh, in a series near and dear to both of us. Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom. Dinosaurs! So my, my quick little review of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is this movie is really dumb, and it's fun dumb. Like, it is... It is... I recommend going to see that in the movie theater. Yeah. It is a, uh, it's really well, uh, I'll stick to the positives. It's really well directed. It's really well shot. I think it's maybe the most visually pleasing Jurassic Park movie since the first one. Yeah. And I would agree with that. I like how there, there's an opening scene that's like the fringe of the jungle in the rain, like heavy rain. It's the, it's like the opening scene of the movie. You know, every Jurassic Park movie opens with someone just getting killed by a dinosaur. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, It's the, uh... There's a chopper. The, the chopper scene. Where the Mesolosaurus gets out or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, that scene's in, like, it's at night, it's raining, and something about dinosaurs at night in the rain just, uh... It mirrors that first scene in Jurassic Park where the gatekeeper dies. Yep. It's a... There's a lot of mirroring. There's a ton of throwback in this movie. <laughs> the first one. But, you know, it's, uh... It's campy. It is campy. It's what... She'll leave you alone. Okay. Eventually. Um, it's what, uh... It's what made it fun. It's a movie that's more fun than it is good. Because if you start thinking heavily... If you start thinking heavily about the plot elements, some of them don't make a whole lot of sense <laughs> yeah. at times. Which like, is like... They really went back to like, wait, what if we made an even worse dinosaur? Than the one we made in the last movie. Yeah, you definitely don't... It, you don't really feel for any characters in this movie a whole lot because they keep making the same dumb mistakes of old Jurassic Park movies. Well, that's a... That is a running... I don't, I don't want to call it a gag, but in the franchise. I mean, yeah. it's in the first movie where Ian Malcolm is like, you know, this isn't what we thought it was when Gennaro was talking to him. Because mm-hmm. initially they're both like super skeptical. And then Gennaro sees dollar signs... And he's like, wait, Ian, this isn't what we thought it was originally. And Ian was like, like, nah, he made entirely different crazy mistakes. Yeah. And then he says it in the second one, too. Yeah. Where it's like, there's another island. This is worse than the mistakes he made before. Also, everybody seems to have a different account of what John Hammond wanted out of these dinosaurs. Which is like, I think the, the first one, he wants to make a park. And then in the second one, he wants everybody to... To leave the dinosaurs on the island. Just leave them alone. Just let nature take its course. Yep. And then there's a, another one somewhere along the way, and it's like, John Hammond wanted these animals destroyed. And then there's, uh, in this one, it's like, John Hammond wanted these animals saved. Right. It's like... Well, nobody talked to him. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's. I kind of get that a little bit, because, I mean, the first one is obvious in the first one. The second one, he talks to Ian, but he only talks to Ian mm-hmm. about it. And the third one, Grant just has the memory of the first one. Where he's like, yeah, these animals need to be destroyed. The uh, I will say this movie did something better than Lost World, and that was uh, incorporate child gymnastics. Oh yeah, into the film a little better than uh, uh, shit in Lost World is fucking horrible. Than you know, kicking raptors with your uh, on the whatever the the several uneven bars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, it's uh, 
it's a movie that is surprising in a few ways. It's it's fun. It's horror it, elements. Did you agree with me? Yeah, I thought the horror elements were really solid. I think the movie gets a little bogged down in one of its uh, set pieces a little yeah, bit. I would agree. Could have been cut it by ten minutes, and it would probably be uh, a lot tighter. I, I would have enjoyed it more. But I will say this: I'm glad that the from the trailer it looks like they're in a giant city, maybe mm-hmm. like. And this dinosaur was wreaking havoc on different houses. Oh, right. And that doesn't happen, which is right. nice. Yeah. That was a surprise to me. Yeah. That was what I meant when I said the plot is different than you would think. Yeah. And I've thought about it now, and I don't think that's spoiler enough. But from the trailer, it looked like he was going house to house. It looked like that bedroom scene in the trailer was just a random girl. I was actually, I was a little worried that the movie was going to be like 90% island again. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, and that was good. It was like 40, maybe. 30. Yeah, if that yeah. didn't seem like they were on the island too long, which is which is good. Because we've, we've just been there and done that. But uh, but yeah, no, Jurassic, Jurassic Park was... Uh, I, I will say this, though. There's a scene where there is a uh, someone speaking to an audience. And uh, one, of our, one of our listeners, Al, talked, was talking to me about this scene this week. And we both just thought it was one of the worst staged scenes in movies that we've seen. In that... Someone talking to an audience brings out something to show the audience. A very large object. And they place it between them and half the audience. Right. Where they no longer... And this is uh, someone who needs to make eye contact with the audience. They can't see half the audience that they need to connect with. Yeah. As Al put it, he said he's never been more, like, angry at... uh, production design or set design or like like staging set staging in a in a movie scene and what they're I'm gonna go ahead and maybe spoil a little something what they're showing is dinosaurs that's what it is but it's funny because what are these fucking asshole people that are like here's a dinosaur here's a dinosaur here's a dinosaur here's a dinosaur and finally with the one dinosaur they're like oh my god what is that right why are they so blown away (laughs) these people are seeing dinosaurs for the first fucking time (laughs) And they, there's like ho hum about all these crazy dinosaurs, and then they, there's just one that looks. I mean, yeah, it's it's a. It, it looks a little meaner. It looks a little meaner, but they bring it out and everybody gasps. Yeah, everybody who's just stared at like a T Rex, <laughs> gasp at this just Other another dinosaur. fierce looking dinosaur. You know, where all, all these people are paleontologists, and they're like, I've never seen that one before. Right. Yeah. I think for the next Jurassic Park movie, I really want to see if they can make T-Rex fearsome by making him uh, biologically more accurate and put feathers all over him. I want to see one of them have like a job as a middling accountant. <laughs> Brachiosaur walking in with a suit. I want an erotic thriller starring uh, nothing but brontosauruses. They're apatosauruses, Brant? Just, uh, brontosauruses don't I want, to, I want him to remake L. Oh, but with dinosaurs, Jesus, be horrifying. I feel like we've already done this joke recently, me and you. Whenever we get along, <laughs> it's like, what movies can we remake with raptors? <laughs> yeah, the last waltz, <laughs> just with the raptors. Uh, cool. I gave it three and a half stars on Letterbox. Where do you think you'll be? Um, three or three and a half. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. It's uh. I mean, the some of the character decisions are just silly, and so it, it can't really be like a great movie, but it's a fun one. 
it's above average. I agree. Uh, and that's uh, and that's what I saw. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, uh, I think I really need to talk about anything else. Uh, so that brings us to breezy on the streets. Yeah, we got a uh, fun trailer. That's the first bit I want to talk about. What for glass? Glass. We talked about it earlier, pretty much. Yeah, but it looks really good. It does. Third movie good. in that trilogy, which combines Unbreakable and Split. I like the. Uh, I hope that the scene we see with Sarah Paulson is from the beginning of the movie because it would be fun to already have David done. Uh, it shows uh, Glass, the Beast, and David Dunn, and David Dunn all collected in a like a mental. Because the world still doesn't accept superheroes, apparently. Yeah, right. Be yeah. a fun way for that movie to start because for them to all be incarcerated together, <laughs> in right? Uh, but yeah, that movie looks like a lot of fun. Uh, I got an Aquaman trailer. Yeah. Which looks like it's probably going to disappoint me. I don't know. I'm not super optimistic about it. It looks like... So you know how Aquaman is basically the Thor of DC? Yeah. Which I, I understand that these char- the DC characters came first, but as far as these modern movies, Marvel came first. And so let me tell you what they're going to do with the Aquaman movie. He has to. He interacts with with some humans up up here on Earth on on the surface, but he has to return to his home because his brother is going to take over his kingdom, and he has to accept and he has to like, you know, be more mature and take over take his role as king, rightful king, because of his brother. <laughs> Come see not Thor this this winter in a theater near you. Not Thor. I believe there's even a robot that shoots lasers out of its eyes, like in the first Thor. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. Maybe that was Marvel's play all along. It was like, let's just take all the fucking ideas. Yeah, I like that. Uh, slow week in news though. Equalizer two opened up and followed with movie financial laws and made more than. Equalizer did mm-hmm. in its first weekend, but I don't think it opened particularly well. Uh, but other than that, there's just not a lot, and there's sadly not a lot in our next segment to talk about either. <sighs> What's coming out? Yeah, what do we recommend you go see? There's uh, two movies in mass release this weekend. Uh, they are the Teen Titans Go to the movies. Is what the movie's called. Teen Titans Go! To the movies. Uh, and I don't recommend you go see that this weekend. Unless you see two movies. <laughs> uh, because Mission Impossible Fallout is coming out. And it looks like a fucking riot. Looks like the other Mission Impossible movies other than Mission Impossible 2. Which is how you should look. Don't look like Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fallout looks super fun. It looks super fun. It looks super stressful. (laughs) And that's what you want a Mission Impossible movie to be. Yeah, it looks like it's going to have stunts where you're concerned about Tom Cruise's, uh, you know... Well-being. But he'll be okay, probably. And his mental stability (laughs) for doing them. Like, I I remember... They're making jokes about that, though, which looks fun. (laughs) That underwater scene in the last one... Yeah. ...gave me some serious stress watching that. Yeah. Well, there's two in the trailer alone. The one with the, the jump? No. Fuck. 
The one where he, uh, the truck is sliding on the road at him. In the, oh, yeah. And then the one where the truck is rolling down the mountain at him oh. and he's stuck in the helicopter. There's also the one where he falls off a helicopter. Yeah, that seems okay. <laughs> seems, you know. I mean, the guy has held on to an airplane as it took off. Yeah. <laughs> I feel well, like you can't do anything dumber than that. character, whatever that guy's name is, makes fun of it. Like, what is he doing? And he's like, I find it best not to watch. <laughs> so. Uh, but yeah, go see Mission Impossible Fallout. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be great. Cool. I think that about... Does that wrap it up? I think it does. This has been Talky Talk, podcast for the media by us. Get online and see our stuff at themediabyus.com. Join our Facebook groups. Games by us, TV by us, movies by us. And, uh, you know, interact with us there. Chit-chat about the... Post about things that you've been watching and playing. Uh, You can follow our... uh, Facebook page, The Media By Us. You can follow us on Twitter at The Media By Us. Interact with us, MediaByUs at gmail.com. And uh, also, this is the most important part, please rate and subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a rating on uh, iTunes or whatever podcasting service you use. It helps us uh, be seen by more people. Even if you're mean to us with your with your rating, <laughs> you, it'll still help. <laughs> We'd actually enjoy that, probably. <laughs> Just like, we got a rating. I don't care what it is. Uh, and finally, we want to thank the Willow Walkers for the intro music. Willow Walkers! We want to thank Boo Reefa for the outro music that you are listening Kicking to. Kicking rocks. Right now. Down old dusty roads. And I think that's it. Bye, TJ. Bye, friend. Small town, slow pokes, long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know.